Amazing. You may be seated. Thank you. <laughs> this is awesome. I didn't know people could worship this hard on a Tuesday morning. Anybody happy to be in chapel today? What a, um, what a real privilege, what a real honor it is for me to be at North Central today. Uh, I'm excited to be here. been looking forward to this, been on the calendar for a little bit, and uh, getting to see you guys in person, well, uh, it's, it's even better from what I've heard. And so uh, I'm really honored, really grateful to come today, and thanks for having me, and thanks for giving me a little bit of time to share with you. And just before I get into God's Word, let me just take a moment to honor your president, who is my uncle and my aunt. And uh, I just love both of them very, very much because uh, here's something I learned a long time ago, and this might be the whole message for you right now, that you could catch this at your age. Alignment is more important than assignment. And we're all given a family of origin, which I happen to have a great family of origin, but even at times more powerful than a family of origin is a family of choice who you choose to align yourself with and who you choose to put yourself under. And um, I just am so grateful for uh, Scott and Karen and their leadership. Uh, I've learned so much. Um, the entire team here, uh, I'm aligning myself with you guys. Uh, I find myself much better because of that alignment. But can we just give honor where honor is due? Can we thank God today for godly leadership? Dr. Tennyson is here in the front row. He uh, helps me write all of my sermons. So if they're ever theologically incorrect, I just send people his email and say uh, he wrote it. But um, just wanted to honor you. Thank you so much for, uh, for serving our church, for serving and helping me, uh, growing and, and building me. And so I, I, I honor you today. I'm excited to spend some time with you afterwards. I'm traveling with my good friend. This is Richard Manor. Richard, why don't you stand up really quick? Let, let the students greet you. This is my friend Richard. Richard will never tell you, but he has an Australian and an English accent. He, he was born in Australia, spent a decade in London. That creates the most godly accent you've ever heard in your entire life. We should just give him the microphone, and I promise you, you will think it's manna from heaven. It could be heresy, but that accent. Richard, can you say hello? Let's make him say hello. Come on, let's make him say hello. Just, I don't know, just greet the people. How is everybody? <laughs> it's great to be here. I was just on the front row, and who says there is no young people in Minneapolis that love Jesus, right? Look at, look at it. Some of you. Some of you finally got saved just now. That was like, like Zacchaeus. Like salvation came to your house. Just didn't even give you a sermon. Just his accent. Richard is a. Uh, He's, he's a world-class hairstylist, and we, we can spare you the details, but he's a great man of God and a great friend. Genesis chapter 12, we've got 25 minutes, and there's a few things in my heart I want to share. Genesis chapter 12, let it be a foundational text. I uh, don't have nearly enough time to uh, break it down, but I think it will lay a great foundation. The Lord had said to Abram, leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. I think if you're going to follow Jesus, you're going to discover over and over again that God says, go, and then he will show. I think a lot of us want him to show, and then we'll go, but it, but it doesn't actually work that way with God. You have to, to go, and then, then he'll show. And he says, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and, I, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. 
So Abram left. Everyone say left. As the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him, Abram, Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarah, his nephew Lot, all of his possessions that he had accumulated and the people they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. I want to take the next few moments today, if I can, and I, I want to share from the subject risky business. Risky business. Um, because I think it's really important, especially at this stage of your life, as so many of you are defining and clarifying your calling for what the next season holds for you, that you would understand that if you're going to obey God, if you're going to follow God, it is risky business. When I was uh, in college, I came across a sociological study that has just stuck with me. I don't know if the data still holds up, but it was a study that was done to 50 people over the age of 95. And they asked these 50 people over the age of 95, if you could do life all over again, what would you do differently? Now, we should stop and pause right there because I think this is a very pertinent and profound question. But even beyond the question that's being asked is the group it's being asked to. Uh, you've got a lot of 18-year-olds, 19-year-olds, 20-year-olds in the room today, and I am very, very grateful for you. Your life matters. You have value, and we could ask you that question. If you were to do life all over again, what would you do differently? And it would be valuable what your response would be, but how many know the more years you spend on this earth, the more valuable the answer becomes? I think we live in a day and age right now where people so often tend to overestimate what could be done in one year and underestimate what could be done in 10 years. You got to realize that over time, God can grow you, and over time, you can become more. I think your 20s are for learning. I think your 30s are for experimenting. I think your 40s are for establishing. I think your 50s are for dominating, and I think your 60s are for scaling. What am I saying? I'm saying you got a lot of time to get it right. You should be learning right now. But nonetheless, we have the question that's asked, if you were to live life all over again, what would you do differently? This is 50 people over the age of 95. They've spent a whole lot of life. They are at the end of their life, and the responses came in. There was lots of different answers, but at the very top of the list, the answer was we would take more risks, which I don't know about you, but that's not what I was expecting to hear. That at the end of their life, they're not talking about their successes. They're not talking about their failures. They're not saying, I wish I would have built a bigger house. I wish I would have traveled more. I wish I would have put more money in my 401k. No, it's the opposite. At the end of their life, they're just saying, I wish I would have stepped out more. I wish I would have gotten out of my comfort zone. I wish I would have taken more risks. How many know everything great is on the other side of you taking a risk? Like, we can just go through all of the practical sides of our life. You will never make friends if you don't learn how to take risks. People in church make me laugh. It's like, I just can't meet anybody. No, no, no. You actually have to be a friend to get a friend. <laughs> like, like, how many know? If you want to get married, some, um, let me just talk to all the men in the house. Like, dog, you're going to have to, like, you can't just stand there and put out the vibe, okay? Like, you, you're going to have to walk over and say, hi. I like how you worship, you know. <laughs> I was reading the book of Numbers and I noticed I don't have your number, you know. Like, you're going to have to, you're going to have to try something. <laughs> You'll never get a job if you don't take a risk. I believe God is calling a generation, especially in this season of your life right now, that you would get a clear vision to say, God, I want to be a risk 
taker. God, this is risky business. The reason why I bring this to you is because what I've noticed in my life, I'm now 37 years of age, and I notice that the older I get, the more adverse I become to taking risks. Like when I was young, I used to pray risky prayers. I prayed dumb prayers. I'd be at this altar like, God, break me. <laughs> you pray, some of y'all are about to pray that today. It's like, he'll do it, you know, like. God, you know, when I was your age, God, I'll go anywhere, you know, like anywhere, like you want, I'll go to any third world, God, I'll go anywhere. How many know it's easy to go anywhere when you don't have anything? (laughs) But the more my life builds and the more I grow, I can sense myself becoming adverse to risk and I can sense myself praying safer prayers. But I want to encourage some people out there that we don't serve a safe God, that we serve a God who's calling us into the deep. We serve a God who's calling us out of our comfort zone. Your comfort zone is nice. The only thing it's missing is your calling. It's risky business following Jesus. This is our text here in Genesis chapter 12. This is the story of Abraham. Once again, don't have nearly enough time, but Abraham is 75 years of age. This is a season of life where most people are going, all right, let me find retirement. Let me put my feet up on some beach. Help me find a virgin margarita, and I'm a chill. Um, Got to clarify myself here. Um, let me just chill for a little bit. But what we discover here with Abraham is that the word of the Lord comes to Abraham at 75 years of age. Can I remind some people that if you have a pulse, you still have a purpose? Can I remind some people that God is no respecter of age? If you have air in your lungs, God has a mission and a purpose for your life. Can I get a little bit of help today on a Tuesday? I don't care who you are. I know we got some pastors in the room. Your best days are not behind you. They are in front of you. At 75 years of age, God comes and speaks to Abraham and says, yo, bro, it's time for you to go. And Abraham has accumulated much wealth. He has got good businesses going on. But God says, I have a mission and a purpose for your life. Notice what happens. God gives him a gigantic promise. He says, I'm going to bless those that bless you. I'm going to curse those that curse you. It's a beautiful, beautiful promise. By the way, that promise is for all of us because as we're in Christ Jesus, we've been grafted into this Abraham covenant. So that, that promise is for all of our lives. But what people miss is that if you want big promises from God, you're going to have to walk through big problems with God. Because at 75 years of age, God's like, I'm going to make you into the father of a nation. There's a problem here. Abraham is 75. He doesn't have any kids, let alone a kid, in order to have a nation. Dude, 75, and God's like, I'm about to make you the father of a nation. Okay, God, how are you going to do that? Because I'm 75, and my wife Sarah, she old too, and this ain't just crazy. This is kind of nasty, if you feel what I'm saying. These are some old people having some babies, you know? And so, so God says, you got to go. And so Abraham takes a risk and he, he steps out into the unknown. He does not know where he's going. He's just obeying the voice of God. And I just want to say it to you right now at your age on this Tuesday morning, following Jesus is a lot like this anthem. I don't know exactly where it is that I'm going, but I know one thing, I can't stay here. I'm not talking about you have to like leave North Central today. That's not the mission. That's not the message. Some of you are like, I know it. I quit. No, no, no. <laughs> You're a freshman. You got four more years, bro. But it is this constant state of God. I'm growing and I am becoming. And whatever risk you are asking me to take, I know one thing. I don't know exactly where it is that you're taking me, but I know this. I'm not staying here. I'm, I'm becoming something more. This is risky business. Abraham leaves, he obeys, he steps out, and would you believe it, um, 
Decades pass. Some of y'all, you got to realize this with God because you're like, dude, I've had a, oh man, I've just been, I mean, God spoke to me yesterday at chapel because we go to chapel every day and that's, you know, like I, he got a word yesterday, but like it hasn't happened yet. And so I'm just waiting on the Lord. You're not waiting. No, 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 no. Like that's not waiting, you know? Some of you are like, I had a bad day. That's great. Abraham had a bad decade, okay? <laughs> like, like, like he's not waiting a week. He's not waiting a semester. He's not waiting his college experience. It's decades that go by. Abraham is now pushing 100 years of age and his wife is a 90 years of age. This is, not, this is crazy. They still don't have any kids. And finally, one day, God appears, the angel of the Lord appears and says, like, yo, this time next year, you're gonna have a baby. And I, I love this text. You gotta read the Bible. It's very, very good to read. It's, you think Netflix is entertaining? Just, just read the Old Testament. I promise you. It's, it's better than any series, okay? Sarah, like, you ever have that friend? I know you do, because, like, I, I love class. I love, I love college. Like, you have that friend that you can just look at them. I don't care how serious the moment is, but you look at them, it's like... <laughs> it's like someone's prophesying. You're like... God is speaking to Abraham, and he's like, yo, this time next year you're going to have a kid. And Sarah's listening. She's like... <laughs> she's like, I'm 90, dog, you know? And I love God. You got to go back and read the text. God's like, uh, why did you laugh? And Sarah's so, so I, I love Sarah. Sarah's like, I didn't laugh. <laughs> like, it's in the text. Like, I, di I didn't. I did not laugh. And God's like, yeah, you did. She's like, and she goes, no, I didn't. <laughs> and then God goes, yeah, you did. And the text just ends, you know? <laughs> I love it because this is how it works with God, that God has promises so big for your life, so risky for your life, that if other people overhear the promise, Trust, it is laughable. But what I love about our God is he always gets the last laugh. Because one year later, they gave birth to their firstborn son, the son of laughter, the son of grace. His name is Isaac. And Isaac, of course, has Jacob. And Jacob, of course, has Joseph and the 12 tribes. And the story goes on that over time, Abraham becomes the father of a nation. But how did it happen? Was it just because God gave them a promise or was it because Abraham heard the promise and took a risk? This is risky business. This is risky business. And I know today it's a Tuesday and we're here at chapel and we can become so familiar with what God is doing here at North Central that we can forget that actually this is a dangerous invitation that God is inviting you to establish his kingdom here on the earth, that you get to take the light of the gospel into the night, that you get to establish the church of Jesus Christ. You know what? This thing is not a new thing. A lot of times we go, oh, bro, the church has moved forward from success to success. No, it's quite the contrary. The church has moved forward from sacrifice to sacrifice. We've moved forward with men and women that would say, I will give my entire life to see his kingdom established. The baton is being passed to me, and now I am in a great relay called faith, and I am running my race of faith. It's not about my name. It's not about my position. It's not about my title, but rather it is about my calling and my purpose. I will take his message wherever he calls me to go. We're going to have to be men and women that pray risky prayers. Listen to me loud and clear. If your prayers don't scare you, they will not scare the devil. Some of us at this age, you should be praying risky stuff. If God answered all your prayers, would it change the world or would it just change your world? Some of you are thinking too small. Some of you have become too familiar. Some of you have gotten comfortable 
in your comfort zone, but God is calling you to step out. God is calling you to go deeper. God is calling you to go further. He speaks over your life today. I have a great promise for your life, but if you want a big promise, you're going to have to walk through some big problems. I want to just give you two quick thoughts. I want you to write them down. Um, Research shows us that if you take notes in church, you automatically go to heaven. So I would... I feel like in the college setting, you just give stats for stuff that's not even true, you know? Research says in Minneapolis, I don't know. Like, um, but just, just two quick thoughts in the last 12 minutes I got. Number one is this. If you're going to step into risky business, number one, uh, you got to learn how to fail forward. Fail forward. Um, I just want to challenge all of us because, once again, I think your 20s are for learning. And if you're not failing, you're probably not learning Failure is never final. Failure is formative. I wish I could take you down memory lane because every success that is in my life is actually stacked on top of mounds and mounds of failures. I believe you're not actually succeeding if you're not failing somewhere in your life. What you have to determine today is that failure will not stop me. Failure will become fuel for my future. What happens is so many people is they step out and they take a risk and then it doesn't go the way that they had hoped. They get disappointed. And what does disappointment do? Disappointment stems from unmet expectations. And so because our expectations weren't met, you know what we tend to do? We tend to lower our expectations. But I came to remind some young people that are praying risky prayers that this is risky business. This is not a season for you to lower your expectation. I want to remind you of the God who exceeds your expectations. Better, let me say it this way. If God meets all of your expectations, how on earth could he ever exceed them? You've got to actually trust that you serve a God who can exceed your imagination. He can exceed your dreams. He's just looking for some men and women that when they fall down, that they would believe God's word, that the righteous man, he falls seven times. But what? He gets back up. You know what seven? separates me from most other people. I'm not the strongest. I'm not the most righteous, but I have determined that every time I fall, I am never down. I am either up or getting back up. Can I get a witness in the room today? I'm never down. You're just catching me in a moment. I'm either up or getting back up. You know, I've gotten a chance to preach all over the world. It's a great privilege in my life getting to stand on stages and share God's word with people. But yo, this ain't, this ain't my first rodeo. I remember when we first moved to Miami, we uh, moved from Tacoma, Washington with my dad. My dad had a call in 1998 to, to move our family. Check this out. This is an Abraham story. All the way from Tacoma, Washington, the suburbs, into the inner city of Miami. We stepped into uh, a very diverse setting. Uh, our church was made up of all sorts of different nations, Bahamian, Jamaican, Haitian. It was an incredible place for me to grow up and for me to uh, be developed. And I remember our first Sunday there in Miami. I'm the only white kid in the crowd sitting there. I think it's funny how history repeats itself. I think I had, I think I had a necklace on like this and bleached hair. This was 1998. And now I'm back, yo. <laughs> and I'm sitting in church and my dad is, is preaching and my dad is very Pentecostal. And so uh, if you're new to that language, that just means uh, he spits when he talks and he can see into your soul at any moment. <laughs> you know those preachers, right? Like, he definitely knows what I did last summer. And so my dad's preaching and he stops. And he's like, <clears throat> Rich, you've got a word. And like, when my dad, I'm just like, yes, yes, sir. You know, he's like, do you have a word? And I'm like, I, d- I don't have a word, but I'm like, yes, yes, I, I do. <laughs> I do have a word. And so... I walk up to the stage, 14 years of age, just hitting puberty. My dad gives me the microphone. My first sermon ever. The worst sermon you've ever heard in your entire life. I look out across everyone. I said, church, which is already annoying. Like you're 14. Don't, don't call them that. You know, church. I want to speak to you about the three D's. 
which like, how did I already come up with like an alliteration and an acronym? It's like, shut up. D number one, church. We've got to see divorce decline in our church. Wait, hold on. Hold on, dog. You're, for, you're preaching about divorce? D number two, church. D number two. Drug addiction must go. <laughs> First two points, divorce, drug addiction. Get ready. I asked for the keys to come up. In fact, the keys can come up right now because I got five minutes and I'll preach till tomorrow if we can have a keyboard player. D- this, uh, keys, come up. D number three, death, church. <laughs> but specifically, I started talking about murder. <laughs> we got to quit killing each other, church. We got to quit murdering Yo, did, this is the worst sermon ever given. 14 years of age, my three points were divorce, drug addiction, and murder. If you go to a church right now that the three top issues are divorce, drug addiction, and murder, I would tell you, run. <laughs> Get out of there. I walked up the stage, I was like, that, that, I think people might have lost their salvation today. <laughs> it, was, it was awful. But I heard the Holy Spirit whisper to me in that moment, Rich, the only time you fail is the last time you try. And it's just stuck with me. I don't think I'm a good preacher now, but I, can, I think we can all attest it's gotten a little bit better. It's gotten a little bit better. And I'm glad that I didn't let a failure stop me from taking risks. I'm glad that I allowed failure to be fuel for my future. I don't know exactly where it is that I'm going I'm not staying here. I'm growing. I'm becoming. This risky business. I didn't sign up for something safe. I signed up. Y'all, God, you can have every part of me. Isn't this the gospel? I think we get it mixed up. You're not here at North Central to learn how to be good boys and good girls. This is not a morality message. The gospel is not about you going from bad to good. The gospel is far greater and far better. It's about you going from death to life. You weren't, you weren't bad. Oh my goodness, that's so surface and shallow. It's much worse than that. You were dead. But this God who loved you came and got a hold of your life, put new air in your lungs, gave you a fresh start. This risky business, I got to fail forward, but lastly as I close, you got to learn how to run to the things that scare you. And I just, I'm trying to be as practical as I can because this is like literally methods of my life. My wife and I, we've been together since we were 17 years of age. Met her when I was 17 in a church service kind of like this. I saw her. I'm not even a prosperity gospel preacher, but I was like, I choose you, you know, like quickly. I was naming it and claiming it, you know, and took her a while to hear from the Lord. But eventually, eventually through prayer and fasting, she, uh, she, but we've always had this, hey, if it scares us, you got to do it. If it scares us, you got to do it. Listen to me. I know you're not thinking this way right now because you're like in your 20s and you're in that learning season, but I'm just telling you, the older you get, we just have, we just had our third child. And what I'm learning right now is my kids are either going to inherit God's promises or my fear. I'm not, I'm not here to spread my fear. I'm not here to tell the next generation what to be afraid of. I am here to invigorate you into your soul to say, yeah, there's some scary things out there, but you have to run towards it. You can't run away from it. You have to walk through it. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, God is taking you to something, but in order to get you to, he's got to take you through. 
I stand up here today and my whole life, you wouldn't know, but like I'm four generations Pentecostal preacher. So people say nice things about me and we've had some cool victories, but yo, let's make no mistake, I am standing on the shoulders of men and women who went before me. Maybe you're here and you're the first generation in your family. You're like, yo, dude, ain't nobody went to to Christian university. No one in my home even went to university. That's amazing. You get to be the start. You get to be the one who begins a brand new legacy. But I come from a heritage of risk takers. I come from a family of fanatics who said we will lay it all down for the cause of Jesus Christ. Listen, if a cause is not worth dying for, it certainly is not worth living for. And I can tell you story after story. I'm reminded of what Hebrews says. It says we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. And many times when I think about giving up, all I got to remember is that there is a great, great multitude in heaven right now of my family looking down over the banister of heaven that when I feel like quitting, I can hear their voices cheering me on. I can hear Mark Buntain who gave his life to the mission field of Calcutta, India. My great uncle. I can just hear him say, keep going. I can hear my grandfather, Fulton Buntain, who gave 40 years of his life at the same church. Something awesome about just being in the same place for 40 years. Saw a lot of different people come and go, but I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to stay planted. I can hear my grandfather, John Wilkerson, who pastored a church and loved people. I can just hear him shouting at me, Rich, don't give up. Don't quit. Stay in it. I think one of those great voices that I hear is a man by the name of David Wilkerson. And David Wilkerson in the 50s left his country pulpit church in Pennsylvania and moved to the heart of New York City. This was a time when New York City was known for drug addiction, gang warfare. It was known for prostitution. It was known for violence. And he just had a call from God. You're to go and preach the gospel in New York City. He left every bit of his comfort. I don't know exactly where it is I'm going, but I can't stay here. And literally, he goes to New York City and he starts a revival all because he takes a risk. He preaches on street corners. And this is a revival that's unlike many others. This is prostitutes becoming Sunday school teachers. And this is drug addicts becoming deacons. And this is, this is gang leaders becoming pastors. It is a revival. And out of the revival, a great church, Times Square, church which is still going today has risen it's a beacon of light out of it grew this ministry called teen challenge today teen challenge is the most successful drug rehab program in all of the world i was preaching in london i got done off in london and a group of men walking me say i just want to thank you i said why you liked the sermon no i wanted to thank you Because your uncle David Wilkerson started Teen Challenge and we are in Teen Challenge right here in London. I just want to thank somebody who was associated with that man. But there's a great story of David Wilkerson one day preaching on the street corner. And a man by the name of Nicky Cruz, who was the leader of the Mau Mau gang, one of the most fierce gangs in New York City, in the middle of his sermon walks up to him, pulls out a switchblade knife, holds it up to his throat and says, Preacher, if you don't shut up, I'm going to cut you into a million little pieces. Now, in that moment, I think we have the wrong idea about courage. I think that we think that courage is like, I don't have any fear, yo. That's called foolish. Courage is an outward action opposite to an inward feeling. 
Courage is not the absence of fear. It's the determination to walk through the fear. And David Wilkerson, with a knife held up to his throat, looks back at the man and says, Nikki, you could cut me into a million little pieces, but every one of those little pieces will look back up at you and say, Nikki Cruz, Jesus Christ loves you, and I love you too. The gangster ran away, and little did anybody know, but it began a catalyst for a revival that began to spread. One moment, this man eventually came into a rally, got saved, got radically saved, had never encountered courage like this, had never encountered somebody who was this fearless. David Wilkerson, maybe some six or seven years ago, passed away in a car accident, but his legacy lives on. It lives on in the church that's still going in New York. It lives on in the ministry of Teen Challenge. It lives on in his spiritual sons and daughters. It lives on in me. But I wonder today how many of us here at North Central on a, on a random Tuesday, so we thought, would today in this moment make a decision to say, you know what? He might be gone, but I'll take his place. And like Abraham thousands of years ago, I will step out and I will enter into this risky business not knowing what awaits me, but believing that everything he's got for me is outside of my comfort zone. So God, I'm stepping out and I'm praying risky prayers. Whatever you ask out of me, Lord, I'm dreaming bigger. I'm thinking bigger. I want to go to the place that you will show me. I'm going to fail forward. And if it scares me, I'm running towards it because this, this is risky business. If you believe it today, why don't you go ahead and give God some praise. Can you thank him today? God bless you, North Central. I love you.